You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. We can talk about my Bulls, baby. And it's a national conversation. Number one in the East, taking on number two, the Nets here in Chicago. And that's a nine o'clock local start, which is late enough, Fitz, for me to potentially peel out of this tier radio show and try to weasel my way into the stadium. But that's a comment for another time. Wait, 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 wait. Do you just like walk up and say, this is Sarah Spain? I would like. No, but I should. I mean. I mean, that, look usually that. I walk up and say, hey, I know Sarah Spain, and that's my <laughs> like attempt to get in, so it's got to work for you. Well, I mean, our buddy Nick Friedel is there covering the net side. He knows a few folks at the United Center. I, I mean, I should be able to. I'm not great at asking for stuff. I'm working on it. But uh, we got we got a big one tonight, and it's the second half of a doubleheader on ESPN. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're pre- presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests are going to join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Uh, we will get into that first game that starts in about a half hour here, the Mavs and the Knicks. But of most importance to me and in terms of the standings, is this meeting between the Nets and the Bulls? Um, Adam Amin has joined us in recent days and, and spoke to Barton Hahn, I think, yesterday, talking about just why this Bulls team is performing outside expectations and have landed themselves in the top spot in the East. I think the elevation of everyone's play, Alonzo Ball playing the way he has, and, and Alex Caruso when he's been healthy playing the way he has, and then the additions of DeRozan at an MVP level, Vucevic playing better more often than he plays poorly, playing very well in, in some of the games this year, and then to have Zach Levine stay at this level. I didn't think that they'd be a 50-pace win team, but here they are kind of sitting at that point right now. I thought 44 wins is more than enough. Now they're sitting at a a pace that that could lead to maybe a one or a two seed. Fitz, you've heard me be excited about this since the moment some of these deals started rolling in. You may recall that we had a couple guests on the show that tried to poo-poo my enthusiasm about the off-season signings. In fact, an ESPN off-season survey of a bunch of scouts and execs around the league said that DeRozan's signing was the worst move of the off-season. And yet here they are, 27-11, and tops in the East. What do you make of the surprising Bulls? I think the fact that players are playing out of their minds all the way across gives me reason to want to credit, A, the coaching staff, and B, this combination of guys. Because, like, sometimes it's not just about the individual people you bring in. It's about their ability to work together. And DeRozan said in an article on ESPN.com today uh, that as a point guard, you got to understand everybody on the team, their capabilities, their strengths, their weaknesses, how it can help them. That's what you feel. I mean, if you're any of the teams, whether it's uh, the Lakers or anybody else that have given up on guys like Caruso or Lonzo across the board, and now you're seeing guys play better, smarter, more efficiently, most importantly, and look more natural in the process to do it, it just feels like the Bulls at this point have eliminated the yeah buts, and they're just flat out like we've just got to step up and say, hey, Chicago's a really good team in an East that isn't down. This is just Chicago's up that far. I, I think other than you, not a lot of people saw – this level of performance coming, you were right, and it makes the East a hell of a lot more interesting because of it. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Even I'll be honest, I did not expect it to be this good. I was enthusiastic about the offseason signings. There were questions about the defense, and what we've seen is Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso absolutely giving other teams nightmares on the defensive side, which has helped them be able to make up for Vucevic not being necessarily the traditional guy in the middle who's going to you know hold it down in the paint. They've made it really disruptive on the perimeter. They've made it hard for other teams to work in, in – um, 
in transition, and they themselves have picked up a ton of transition buckets because of being able to disrupt around the perimeter. And then you look at the two superstars, and there were some questions about adding these two guys together. And it's interesting, Fitz, because in the NBA, we know you're not winning anything without a couple great players, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be the the big three like we see with the Nets because we did see the Milwaukee Bucks win last year with a big one and a couple others. But uh, it's surprising knowing what we know about needing to pair a couple superstars together, how people look sometimes at, at pairing superstars together as a bad thing. And that's exactly what happened here. This is Zach Levine's team. Oh, Zach Levine, he, he's not going to be okay with bringing in DeRozan. Well, guess what? Right now, they rank 7th and 8th, respectively, in NBA in scoring. DeRozan at 7th, Levine at 8th. These guys are both in the top five of clutch points. Um, DeRozan is uh, is second in total fourth quarter points. Levine is tied for 7th. Like, statistically, you'll have a game where DeMar DeRozan hits the game-winning bucket, fadeaway three, and Levine has 35 points in the game, right? So they're they're working together on this. And, and there was a great ESPN Daily today. Um, Jamal Collier, Bulls beat reporter for ESPN, was talking with Pablo, and I love how he summed up just how simple it was for these two superstars in their very first meeting this offseason to just figure it out. Keep it simple. I mean, these guys are seventh and eighth in the NBA in scoring. They allow each other to to play off each other when one guy's hot, right? They don't mind deferring. I think the only guys that were not surprised by how well this worked is the two of them. After that first meeting, when they're about to leave, DeMar remembers ending that conversation and telling Zach, I told him, don't worry about anything. This shit gonna work. Yeah. That's it. That was it. You know what I mean? That was, that's how we ended one conversation. We never talked about how we gonna make it work again. I just... Say it like it's going to work. Yeah, that's it. It's just it's going to work, and it is. Uh, and they've got the Nets tonight. It's a it's a huge, you know, opportunity to really take a look at the leading score in the league and Kevin Durant and and how they can fare against a team like this. Yeah, it's an opportunity for Chicago to continue to make statements. Although all they do is make statements throughout the course of this season so far, but beating a Brooklyn team that is as highly regarded, no matter what we think of the Nets and some of the turmoil around Kyrie. This is a highly regarded Nets team. Beating, Getting this win, I think, goes a long way towards the national level of hype that will be around the Bulls for sure. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. I got to figure out how to get myself into that stadium. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Commercial insurance through Progressive protects your business and your dream. Choose from over 30 coverage options at progressivecommercial.com. As we mentioned, that is the second half of a doubleheader on ESPN tonight. 7.30 Eastern is Mavs at Knicks. Fitz, we talked about this a, a, a couple days ago when everything went down with, with Julius Randle talking smack with the fans and the thumbs down. And really what was, I think, tough for outsiders who are not part of that Knicks fandom is that this team's in a pretty similar spot to last year. And of course you want to see growth year after year. Of course, after the enthusiasm and the excitement of, you know, hosting some playoff games and, you know, really getting back into the conversation last year, you want to build off that but they're not playing poorly enough, and, and neither is Randall that much uh, of a step back from last season, I think, for the fans already to be giving them the grief that they're getting. I don't know if that's going to help keep them growing up. Yeah, the, the problem is the expectations are so different. You're absolutely right. Through 41 games last year, New York was 20 and 21, just like they sat after 41 games this year. And you can look at a New York team that's been maddeningly inconsistent at times. It feels like there have been large stretches where – to uh, use one of my favorite Sarah Spainisms, they've forgotten how to basketball, <laughs> and they haven't been able to put continued growth together. You know, we talked about it yesterday, different sport, but same thing. 
when we talked about the the fact that some say the December Giants couldn't beat the September Giants. I think right. it's not just that last year's Knicks overachieved, so it changed the expectations. This year's Knicks, the expectation is going to be that they get better and better and better throughout the course of the year. That hasn't seemed to happen. The identity of this Knicks team is that they're inconsistent. That's just they're a middle of the pack team that's inconsistent. That's not what Knicks fans expected coming into this year. Yeah, and I don't blame them for for wanting more, but I do think that there has to be a little bit of patience, and we know how it works in the NBA. You need to be your best come playoff time, not right now. This is a great time to build, and for a team like the Knicks, of course you want to see you know um, uh, even more of enthusiasm, even more of something to build on. Um, but you know, for me, it's about it's about the patience with these young teams, and um, they're 11th right now in the East, which might also be why. Knicks fans are getting, you know, a little tight in the britches. Uh, they take on the Mavs, and then we'll get that Nets-Chicago game second. Coming up, we're inching closer to the NFL playoffs, and we're wondering who can we trust. At least one person has a lot of faith in one particular quarterback. You'll hear that next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. We had so much catch-up to do on last night's show after we were bumped by the national championship game Monday that we really haven't had a chance to take a look at the wildcard weekend matchups. I think they're calling it the super wildcard weekend because, of course, we've only got those uh, one team each getting the bye. We've got a, a, a weekend chock full of action. And Fitz, what I was thinking as the final games were being played, other than, holy cow, I can't believe I have to do this polar plunge, what I was thinking was, even though we have a few more answers in terms of who's in and who's out, I don't know that we have a lot of answers about what's going to happen and which teams are going to make a run. This is the least sure I've felt about making picks in a postseason uh, since I can remember. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Don't forget, listen to the Man in the Arena podcast, a 10-part series exploring how sports impacts our everyday lives through the lens of Tom Brady's career. Brought to you by State Farm and available wherever you get your podcasts. Tom Brady might be one of the few people that we could say we trust this weekend. Let's quickly just remind people, Saturday it'll be Raiders at Bengals. Uh, I'm glad to get that out of the way nice and early for you. The rest of your weekend will either be great or totally ruined. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Patriots at the Bills Saturday night. Sunday, Eagles at Bucks. Niners at Cowboys, Steelers at Chiefs, and then Monday night football wildcard game, first time I believe, uh, Cardinals at Rams. So those are the matchups we're dealing with. Fitz, let's just start with Tom Brady. Are you able to trace, uh, trust the Bucks because you're able to trust Brady? I think there's this moment, and you know, I've been part of the Man in the Arena after shows where we react to all of the episodes, so I've been forced to sit there and listen to Tom Brady go on and on and on every single time. But as I watch it, the one thing that has always hit me is an understanding of the process of the season and the number of times that it felt like even listening to Wes Welker in one episode talk about where his body was in December and why even though the team wasn't playing well, he knew that he was in the right spot for what he needed to be able to do physically for a run in January. And there's something to the level of experience that comes with deep playoff runs that makes me say, okay, Brady's got such a been there, done that mindset. I feel like that's the sort of leadership you need in this this moment. So as banged up as the Bucks are, I, the, the ability for Brady to understand where they are versus where they need to be just makes me think it's hard to bet against him. Yeah, I mean, I think you touched on something, though. This is a team that is missing some weapons, and this is a team that has not looked strong down the stretch. Last year, the Bucks. 
after their bye week, went on a run, and everything started to click. Arians figured out how to use Brady. The weapons all started to gel. And it felt like going into the postseason, everyone was like, uh-oh, this is this is a tough team. And it, it hasn't felt this way as they've come down the stretch this year. But to your point, the best person to be at the helm of a team that's missing some of its weapons or that isn't coming into the postseason at full strength is someone who at every turn is going to know exactly how to handle the situation, is never going to let the game get too big for him, is going to be able to use folks. I already forgot the name of the guy who caught the pass at the end of that Nets uh, uh, Jets game. Do you remember his name? No, 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 no. Right. Yeah. Tom Brady's going to find a guy. You know, Tom Brady's going to find a guy. And Bruce Arians and that coaching staff, I do think, especially in the wild card weekend, that is a team that you can trust. Now you do have to stop the Eagles' run game and be able to stop an Eagles team that's definitely playing with house money after a struggle um, to start the season. Um, but I, I think one of the few, I'm willing to say it, I, I trust the Bucks and Tom Brady. Yeah, well, and, and that one's easy for me because it's just it's not just Brady. It's Brady and Bruce Arians. And for me, like, I want this tag team, right, where I've got a coach and a star player that I can, I can trust both of them and say, okay, like, as much as the Chiefs have been wildly inconsistent at times this year, I trust Mahomes and Andy Reid more than most combos. Mm-hmm. So you got to feel like, okay, we talk about them like they were just a wretched team this year. They went 12-5. and five. Like, I still trust that combination right. if i got to bet my house on something over a lot of combinations. And, like, you look at that matchup, sure, I trust the heck out of Mike Tomlin, but I, I, I think Ben's washed. So, like, it's hard for me to trust the Steelers over that because I'm putting those two pieces together, and that's why I lean towards Kansas City as another team that I feel like I can trust. Completely agree. I'm with you on that one. That's not tough for me in part because of the opponent. Um, the Steelers aren't very good. Ben is washed. Um, and I feel as confident in the Chiefs as almost anyone right now based on the different parts of their season and then being able to put things together. Um, that's not saying much, though, because there aren't very many teams that I feel super certain about. In that matchup, though, I feel good about that. What about the Patriots? Division rivals, third time they'll meet this season. They split you know, home team lost both times. That one weird loss for the Bills in the in the weather didn't feel like a super, you know, clear indication of where these teams line up. Um, but Jermaine Wiggins, former Patriots tight end, was on KJ and Max, and he seems to think this one all comes down to coaching. Well, it's real simple. One guy is the greatest coach of all time, and the other guy got mad space in his head being rented out by Bill Belichick. That's the thing. Sean McDermott, I mean, when you start saying it's not about Bill Belichick, you know that the guy on the sideline that you're looking across, I don't know if you ever seen the Waterboy, the movie. You remember that scene in there when he looks across and he sees the coach and he's got like a baby face? <laughs> that's what Sean McDermott, that's what he looks like when he sees Bill Belichick. And I think when you when you see this and you, you play it in the league before, you understand when a team rents space in your head or a coach rents space in your head, it's very difficult for you to get over that hump. Yeah, he... Uh... He reminded me of the exchange after that strange weather game where Sean McDermott essentially self-owned in an attempt to downplay how much Belichick's coaching had to do with the Patriots' win. Let's not give more credit than we need to give credit to Bill Belichick in this one. Um, Whether it's Bill or anybody else, they beat us. You sit here and you tell me when they start with the average starting, when we start with the average starting field position of the 40-yard line and he starts with the 23-yard line, 
and I'm rounding up in both cases, and we were one for four in the red zone, and they were 0 for one in the red zone, you give me that ahead of them, I'm saying I like my chances. I like my chances. With all due respect, it's not a Bill Belichick type thing. It's what are you doing with the opportunities you got? What are you doing with the opportunities you got? We turned the ball over at the plus 30-some yard line. Sloppy football. Sloppy football. So I'm very comfortable in that situation. I actually agree that it wasn't about Belichick. That Patriots team came in with the strengths already that were going to be beneficial in that particular situation. They didn't rely on their quarterback a lot. They had a good, strong run game. You know, all of the things that work in that weather. I just didn't think you need to say that out loud because it does make it feel like he's in your head. Yeah, it feels like you're walking in and you're like, guys, 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 not Belichick. Like, well, nobody, nobody give asked anyone why, else why are we credit? starting there. I mean, <laughs> and I understand that, that you have to give respect to this and that it's a matchup, but it, it speaks to me to one of the problems here. The, the problem I have in the matchup, though, is that while I would take Belichick over McDermott any day, uh, and or, or yes, but I would take Josh Allen over Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. So when I come back to my dynamic duos, I don't feel like I can trust either of those because Mac Jones isn't really the reason the Patriots are where they are. So who's the guy that's going to be able to come through and get that one play? I, right. You know, now you're talking a little less trust because while I may trust the coach on one t- team, I trust the quarterback on the other. It makes this a really tough game to call for me. I'm looking at all the other games. There isn't a one that I would be shocked if one team beat the other. That includes Patriot Bills, Raiders Bengals, Niners Cowboys, Cardinals Rams. Wouldn't be a one that I was shocked by. Um, Despite having, you know, an inkling, thinking, oh, this team probably stronger, probably will win. But I wouldn't be surprised by any of them. Yeah, I think 49ers Cowboys would only surprise me because I just still believe in the Cowboys so much as a roster. You do? But I believe in the Cowboys as a roster. I don't believe they haven't beat a single good team. Yeah, I know. I know, but I still look at it and say they're too good not to at least get a playoff win over the 49ers. Too good at what? Football or having names that we recognize? I I mean, I think that at the end of the day, there's still something to having that much talent. I just got to believe that even Mike Martz can't blow that level of talent. Or Mike McCarthy, for that matter. Mike McCarthy. I said Mike Mike Martz. Mike Martz is in there calling plays. They might be really changing things up. You can up. tell I was watching men in the arena <laughs> earlier get my old Rams fixed. There we go. We'll get back to who we trust, who you trust, and also who has the most on the line this weekend. But coming up, the Grizzlies are here. Are they here to stay? We'll talk about it. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Let's get to some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless in the form of some NBA talk because to be real, there's one team that is absolutely destroying everybody right now, and I'm not sure it's a team that a lot of people know a lot about. So we're going to get some thoughts on it from the Athletics. Uh, senior NBA columnist John Hollinger joins us, former Grizzlies VP of Basketball Operations. John, thanks for the time, man. Uh, I love this team. I'll be honest, I'm biased. I do a weekly hit in Memphis uh, with the radio station. I love the Memphis Grizzlies. But what is it about this team that's been able to put together 10 straight wins? Well, I, I think it's a couple of things. One, superior depth. I mean, they are the deepest team in the league by far. And as everyone has dealt with these uh, assorted health and safety protocol absences and injuries and whatnot, the Grizzlies are just consistently able to put out a 9-10 man rotation on the floor that is that doesn't have any liabilities, basically. And uh, so, so that, I think, has been a wind at their back. And then... It's funny because this wasn't looking good for a while. Like they were nine and ten with multiple blowout losses 
and their defense really snapped into shape kind of out of the blue over these last 24 games where they've gone 20 and four. Uh, John Morant missed 12 of them, and and they still won 10. And uh, you know he's he's obviously been excellent, but I think it's also just the development of the whole young core around him. When you look at Jaron Jackson Jr., has really taken a step up as a defensive force. Uh, Desmond Bain, taken the, with the 30th pick a year ago, uh, has really become a knockdown shooter from the perimeter, which is something they really needed. They were so dependent on transition points and, and floaters uh, a year ago, and not, now to have that long-range weapon has really helped them. And, uh, you know, again, I'll, I'll say it again, just, I mean, I think the the depth of their quality is just overwhelming when you have – uh, when you have guys like Anthony Melton and Kyle Anderson coming off the bench, uh, you know, Dylan Brooks has like missed most of the season actually. And they've been able to keep going because they just you know, the next man up is almost as good basically. And a lot of people eating their word words, even the uh, Stephen A. Smiths of the world having to eat their world words on the, that's very hard to say uh, world and word. Uh, you, you tweeted out stat muse. And for those who maybe aren't aware of just how dominant it's been in recent games for the Grizzlies since Thanksgiving, they have 20 wins. The next best team has 15. And in that span, they're first in net rating, first in defensive rating, first in win percentage, first in rebound steals and blocks. This is a team that's doing it in any number of ways. If you had to look at them taking a step back, where do you see the weakness? Uh, I I would say they they probably could still use another shooter. Uh, and, and so I would, I would say probably there. I mean, the, the biggest weakness that they have is that right now they only have one all-star caliber player. And most title contending teams have more than that, right? And, and so if you're going to say a quote-unquote weakness, like they don't really have weaknesses in the traditional sense of like, oh, this guy's such a liability because they're just so deep and solid. Uh, the thing they the thing they don't have other than John Morant is that second really high level uh, player alongside him. It's more of an ensemble cast. So, John, how concerned do they have to be about that? Like, I feel like we're already having the conversation with Zion about well, if the Pelicans don't do the right things, he's going to walk, and we're not having any of those conversations around Ja, who's about to get paid. So, how concerned does Memphis need to be about taking advantage of this moment and making sure they keep a superstar happy to keep him there? Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to be a big deal for him. I mean, you know, he's, he's pretty comfortable in Memphis. He went to school uh, a few hours away at Murray State. I mean, we all, you know, I was in the front office at the time, and, I mean, we did that drive plenty. Like, it's, it's just not that far. Um, and then the, the other thing is, I mean, historically, uh, le- players leaving after the rookie contract is, is – pretty unprecedented i mean we saw porzingis try to get his way get himself traded out of there in new york and that's really the only time that that's happened under the current rules where between restricted free agency and the max extension it's just in the player's incentive to to lock up that bag and and then maybe later you were you worry about if things aren't working out uh moving someplace else but he has everything set up for him right there right like he's Mm -hmm. the centerpiece of the team they're going to be really good. He's going to get a bag, you know, as soon as his rookie contract expires, you'll get a five-year supermax, I'm sure. So what, it, what is there to, 
to be upset about. So I, I think he's in a really good situation there. They already extended Jaron Jackson Jr. They have a pretty clean cap sheet otherwise. I think the biggest thing just for Memphis is how do you take the greatest advantage of this window that you're going to have over these next six to seven years, hopefully, where you you now have to think about this team as like we could be a, a contender, right. you know, as, as, as early as maybe this year with the right trade and, and how to maximize that. John Hollinger is with us here on Spain and Fitz, the athletic senior NBA columnist. Let's talk about my Bulls, uh, another team that didn't get enough respect early on, a team that a lot of people poo-pooed their off-season decisions, and now number one in the East. They take on the Nets tonight. They've already beaten them. It's not necessarily the end-all, be-all, but what can be gained from watching these two meet up again tonight? You know, it's funny because I'm interested more from the Nets' perspective because they've been in such a malaise the last two weeks, and I'm I'm, I'm really interested to see what it looks like. I mean, should, the the thing about the Bulls is, like, they just take the floor with so much – there's, like, so much energy and force in how they play and and their, you know, their athleticism and their, and their defense and their transitions and – and you just don't see that from Brooklyn really right. over these last over these last few weeks, and and I'm I'm a little worried what the what what the comparison of the two is gonna is gonna look like. I mean, you're right. I was dead wrong about the Bulls heading into the season, though. I I had no expectations well, that they'd be this good at yeah, all. Let's, let's um, save that for later. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, th- they have the the top record. In, in the East, and I think there's a decent chance at this point that they could end up being the number one seed. I mean, I, I don't think Milwaukee has a ton of incentive to, like, really go after it if, if, if they need to really make a push to get to number one because I think they're pretty comfortable with the idea that they can be two or three and still win a championship like last year. And I don't see Brooklyn winning enough games in their present state to catch them, and I think everyone else is just too far behind. So, yeah, they're in a – they're in a great spot that I think nobody, or at least I didn't see coming heading into this year. So, John, as we hit the halfway point of the season, is there a team on the outside looking in that you think is set to make a run and put themselves into the conversation? You know, you look at Miami, and they've been able to stay alive here through a ton of injuries. I mean, Bam Adebayo has hardly played this year. Jimmy Butler's been out for 15 games. They've had other absences too, and with you know with kind of some guys they picked off the scrap heap and two-way guys, they've managed to keep their heads above water, and they're in third in the East right now. And I think you can't write them off, especially after what they did in the bubble two years ago. And then the other one is Philadelphia, who is starting to play better. Joel Embiid has been really dominant the last couple of weeks. Depending on what they get for Ben Simmons, I mean that's like a free player, right? That's like Turning, turning something that was a zero all season into what could be a high-level player, depending on what they're able to get for Ben Simmons if they actually execute that trade. So I think you can't look past Philadelphia either. That's great stuff, John. As always, we appreciate your time. Thanks for the insight. Enjoy the rest of the season, my friend. All right. Thanks for having the show. That's John Hollinger, the athletic senior NBA columnist and, again, former Grizzlies VP of basketball operations. Love the love that Memphis is getting just because they're a fun team to watch. So 
you know, I'm all in on getting us like, you know, let the Chicago can get there, Memphis can get there, everybody's yeah. happy. Is that, that going to be your team? No. <laughs> who's who's your basketball team? No, I don't have team? an NBA team. I, I don't have I don't have the emotional space to take on more teams. I just don't. You know, I just it's too much. It's it's uh, after living through this NFL season, I'm I'm drained. I have nothing left of me. That's some straight talk, straight talk wireless. <laughs> No contract, no compromise. Plus, you know, my life, I'm waiting until the NBA expands to Vegas, and then I'm just going to take that team on. It's a, it's, a, it's a bold strategy at this point. I'm just, oh, boy. I, I just have the aces. That's all I need in my life. All right, there's so much to get to. We're going to do it next way only this show can. It's time for some quickies next. Spain and Fitz. Quickies. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. So I'm hanging out at high velocity. At the beginning, there were a few people. I bought some shots. We had some drinks. The game started. Everything felt good. By the end of the night. <laughs> Hell, he's, he's three sheets to the wind. <laughs> he's drunk as a scum. I had a random bar chanting my name while I jumped up and down as the Raiders oh. won. Did you pay for a lot of stuff that night? I've never in my life said I need 15 shots of tequila. That's how I started the game. I've never mm-hmm. in my life said I need 20 shots of whiskey. That's how I ended the game. So I'm mm-hmm. fully aware that I was I was going for it. It's party time! I was not expecting to walk up to the bar and get my tab and have it be a very specific amount that was like just shy of $1,000. Ah! I got drunk last night. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, so. This is Spain and Fence. You know, the, the farther away I get from it, the less I regret it. That's all I'm saying. Hashtag I still... It. Just regret the guy last night who was was trying to tattle on us on every social media possible that we were claiming that the bartender uh, stiffed you or, or overcharged you. It was just an, a, a question that I was asking. If you happen to have paid for everyone's drinks or drank $1,000 of alcohol by yourself, it's a fair question. Yeah, and message to that schmo. Uh, we also talked about what a great night we right. I had at Good High Velocity. Bar, great service, and yeah. he goes tattling to the High Velocity Instagram account like a clown. I mean, Get out for of the here, dude. for the love of God, I I sat there on a digital show with 1.5 million viewers saying High Velocity treated me right last night. So <laughs> I, I'd say they're okay. Uh, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. It's rare that I want to clap back to anybody, but I, I I did a little to him, little narc, little nerd. ESPN Radio presented <laughs> by Progressive Insurance, saving you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit progressive.com. All right. There's so much to get to. We're gonna do it the way only this show can. It's time for some quickies. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. All right, we're going to start this one with some baseball news. And baseball news, I think, obviously had a lot of impact to you, Sarah, as uh, we find out that after 16 seasons and three World Series titles, 200-game winner John Lester is retiring after a Mm -hmm. 16-year career. Obviously, this means a lot to you as a Cubs fan. It means a lot to Major League Baseball. And even though we have no idea what's going to happen next season, uh, this is a moment where you got to step back and give a lot of love to somebody that had a huge impact on the game. Yeah, I mean, most would argue that he is the greatest free agent signing in the history of Chicago sports. Uh, you could say potentially that Marion Hosa is up there. But to help the Cubs finally get over the hump and win a World Series, uh, to win three total uh, over 200 games, as you said, and to be the guy that he was as a leader, as a veteran presence, um, and to be 
as mature and impressive as he was at 22, sitting behind a microphone talking about being diagnosed with cancer and the effect that he had on a young Anthony Rizzo, who as a kid was also diagnosed with cancer. They later, you know, came to be teammates. There is so much that John Lester did off the field, uh, charitably and on the field as a player and also as a, as a leader that he's just uh, endless drinks in Chicago. And in fact, when he left the Cubs, um, he had an open bar tab for fans of Chicago to say goodbye. That's what kind of guy he is. He was actually on ESPN 1000 with our guys Waddle and Sylvie earlier today and kind of explained why now is the time. I've known for a while. Physically, you know, not only are you not able to do the same things, uh, you're just not able to recover, you know, as well. And that, that was a big, big factor for me. Just, you know, the, the work in between the starts was, was kind of outweighing the pleasure of, of actually actually pitching so it just it was time let the game get a little younger and give somebody else an opportunity one of the steadiest and most consistent guys and easy to root for too but you knew he was going to show up for the big one so congrats to him well and i hope he finds incredible just joy and happiness in this because he worked his tail off and deserves it Mm -hmm. you can hear the the sadness is what always hits me when guys are talking about leaving the game because you realize what a hole it leaves for so many guys so it's a hole that I'm sure will immediately be filled by something else great. But uh, thanks uh, for amazing memories. Let's go to the next story. Quickies. All right, a little bit of basketball uh, news here. Portland Trailblazers star Damian Lillard. We haven't seen him on the court since New Year's Eve, but it looks like he's planning to have surgery to address the lingering, lingering abdominal injury sources have told ESPN. So we don't know the final timing yet. The procedure could keep Lillard out six to eight weeks recovery timeline not yet known so this is a big movement a big move here uh, for Portland as they look at Dame and he's got to get himself right and we all know that they aren't right without him yeah you know you've got Dame out you've heard people in fact offer up the the, the suggestion that they should just shut him down for the season um, like you said six to eight weeks potentially on that procedure but with him out that long, with C.J. McCollum out indefinitely with the collapsed lung, this is a 10th place team in the West. This is a team that needs to make a change. Unfortunately, running it back with these stars hasn't been the answer. And that's sad for me. This is a team, this is, you know, one of my side pieces. But um, it's it's looking like this is a lost season for them. And uh, they're going to be probably a seller at the deadline. And that's going to make a big, you know, difference in terms of what they look like in the coming years. Uh, it's, it's a bummer for for everybody who loves watching those guys, especially Dame and and CJ play together. Yeah, and it feels like I love what you said there about a lost season. That's so well said. But it's this was just the worst time for them to have another lost season. Like it, mm-hmm. it's just it, it. No questions have been answered. They're right back in the same spot yep. they were in. Uh, we have no idea. So the, the the greatest possible scenario here is that he gets healthy. They go on a very very hot run towards the end of the season, and somehow magic can happen for Portland because it's hard to root against those guys. Let's go to the next story. That's quickies. There we go. Quickies. Quickies. There we go. (laughs) Quickies. Uh, So I love this because fans care so much and y'all know that I'm one of those fans. And, you know, frankly, how many fans for the Pittsburgh Steelers were up all night? I've gotten so many tweets from Steelers fans that have offered to buy me drinks just because uh, the outcome of the game allowed the Steelers to get into the playoffs. And uh, as much as I appreciate that, there is one person that didn't care as much as fans. I joke. He obviously does. But <laughs> he uh, he didn't stay up for it. And that's Coach Mike Tomlin. When he was asked if he watched the end of the game, this is what he said. I missed the end of it. I dozed off. 
I knew I had a work day waiting on me, or I assumed that I had a work day waiting on me. I think at one point, Oakland was up by 15, and that number made you somewhat comfortable. I'm probably better off not having watched it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> A dollar in the fine jar for calling him Oakland. But still, uh, right, I think right, right. for every fan base, this always makes me laugh because it's a reminder that we get so invested in every one of these outcomes, but it's just day-to-day work. It's the grind for the coaches. I just, yeah, you're right. I, I think he was only topped by his compatriot, Ben Roethlisberger, who uh, didn't just fall asleep in the game that decided whether or not they would play. He now knows his opponent, and he uh, doesn't seem confident. Probably aren't supposed to be here. We're probably not a very good football team. We're the out of 14 teams I think we're in. We're probably number 14. Um, we're double-digit underdog in the playoffs. So let's just go play and have fun and see what happens. Yeah, just, uh, just full nihilism from Big Ben ahead of this one says – we don't have a shot. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's wrong, but it's re- like it's refreshing to hear that level of just. Is it? Ah, you know, like, uh, he's not I wrong. It's, it's, I don't know if refreshing is what I would go for. I would say <laughs> he's setting himself up for the. Listen, we're playing with house money. You know, y'all are gonna say we're bad. The Vegas odds are gonna say we're bad. So let's just have fun. I'm okay yeah. with that. I don't know if it's refreshing. I don't know if I, I. I don't want my quarterback, no matter what the odds are, to come out with the we don't have a chance. I, don't, I, I love a little honesty, but I'll say you never know with that defense. Defense travels. Let's see how it goes. We got one more story for you here. Quickies. 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 Save myself. There we go. We're on a roll. Okay, so I, I want to give a little shout-out. There's a great article out on ESPN.com by Paul Gutierrez, the ESPN Raiders reporter, uh, about Darren Waller. But what's interesting is Waller acknowledges that uh, this is a quote, because of my disease of addiction that can have me thinking all kinds of crazy things, talking about how it was harder for him to be off the field due to injury because of his battle for sobriety. He said, he's got to share what I'm talking about, those things that I that I have idle time, that I talk to my therapist, I stay in my meetings, stay in the playbook, find ways to distract myself as much as I can. Really incredible moment for somebody that's been so uh, honest about his battle with addiction to also be honest about the mental health and the drain that can mm-hmm. come from stepping away from the game. And just a reminder of the progress that Darren Waller has made. All right, we're going to keep getting you everything you need to know about the NFL playoffs. Who can you trust? We'll get into it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. And we're going to talk some NFL playoffs here. I'm getting beat up, sir. I mean, you you tweeted out, we tweeted out, uh, you know, who Mm -hmm. can you trust in this year's playoffs? And you listed some teams that we trust. One of the teams that I think I trust in the wild card round specifically is uh, the Cowboys. And uh, people think I've lost my damn mind. And that, yeah, yeah, I do as well. I'm well, I just, I need reinforcements. So I just want to at least let you hear this. See what you think. Maybe if it's not just me, I'm also going to get Dominique Foxworth from the Undefeated involved. This is what he said on Get Up this morning. I got to be honest. Like I get, I'm called Dak's cousin, and it makes me seem like I'm a homer. But I'll let you know when I became Dak Prescott's cousin. I was one in his rookie year who said they should bring back Tony Romo for that playoff game. Then I watched that playoff game, and I saw Dak Prescott put up 17 fourth quarter points. And then I watched the following season, how Dak Prescott played, and I was a believer from that point on. Then I was in the front of the bandwagon and watching everybody else jump on late. And this playoff thing is going to be another situation like that. Dak has been one of the best playoff performing quarterbacks with a 75 QBR in three games, and he's led game-winning drives in the playoffs. So I'm going to be happy to be at the front of this train. I'm pleased to be the conductor of the Dak Prescott is an awesome playoff quarterback train. 
I mean, so that's it then. It's just the quarterback because every other case, you said you needed a combination of a quarterback and coach that you can trust. And for me, it's not that I necessarily think the Cowboys will lose. It's that I won't be surprised at all if they lose because they have done nothing but beat up on their own terrible division. They have lost to all the good teams and beaten the bad ones. So I don't believe that they're infallible in the postseason just because Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. Yeah, you're probably right about that. I think it's it's not there are some Voltron teams and again, this isn't Madden. You're totally right. But when I look at the roster running up and down, I just there are so many guys on that team that I feel like could go off that on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, I, I just I believe their roster is really good, and I keep looking at it thinking that whether it's Mike March, as I jokingly uh, accidentally said <laughs> earlier today, or Mike McCarthy, either one, I don't, I, I think they're too talented to blow it against this San Francisco team. Like I I have faith, but I have less faith as we go. But I will say this. They're also in the pressure cooker because let's be real. If how patient is Jerry going to continue to be if the Cowboys underperform? I think we know the answer to that is not at all. And it does raise a real question about pressure specifically because I'd argue that the Cowboys are one of the teams that have the most on the line because there are such expectations for what they're supposed mm-hmm. to be able to accomplish as a team, as a franchise with that talent mm-hmm. and as a brand. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the playoffs, there is a a pretty big, I think, distinction for the teams that are sort of playing with house money and the teams with a lot on the line. I think I'm going to go out on a limb. I think a lot of people agree with me that the team with the most on the line is the Rams. I understand that Tom Brady maybe doesn't have that many years left. Maybe, although we've been saying that for like a decade. Uh, but the Bucks already got their Super Bowl with him. They've they, anything else is overachieving. Um, I think the Raiders, the Bengals, they're happy to be there. The Patriots even happy to be there. The Eagles, the Niners squeak their way in. The Steelers uh, shouldn't be there. Um, I think the Rams. I think there's an expectation for the Cardinals to prove that their hot start and the fact that they've been in consistent sense isn't a isn't a nothing burger but the cardinals also were not a team expected to win or be near the top of their division so they're playing with house money i think it's probably the bills and the rams that have the most to lose so i, I love and your, the cowboys to your point i love your take on the rams i think you're right about that plus uh, one thing that i know is going to get talked about a lot over the next few days is the i mean you got a monday night wild card game which by nature means automatically the winner of that game is going to be playing on a short week. Like mm-hmm. that stinks in the playoffs. I, I don't. I know that it, it's great for our networks that we get a Monday night game to show the world, but that's yeah. Careful there, Fitz. For the playoffs, I think like, it's fantastic. No. I've never been more excited. <laughs> they should be grateful to have the wonderful platform of a Monday night game, regardless of rest. I think that there is one other team though that could be under a little bit of pressure in this, and it speaks to earlier Big Ben saying that you know, hey, they got nothing to lose, like. If the Chiefs take an early exit uh, out of the playoffs this year, as good as this run has been, I mean, think about some of the conversations we have around the the Packers right now with how did they manage to only win one with Aaron Rodgers, as dumb as that conversation can be at times. I do think, though, there is going to be some questioning of, okay, have the Chiefs hit some sort of a wall? Like, did last year's Super Bowl loss create some sort of a hangover? How do they continue to get better? Like, I think that there is some sneaky pressure On Kansas City, I think they're fully capable of handling it, but it's still there in my mind. I think there's a little bit, but I think unlike some other places, you restart next season with a lot of expectations all over again. 
I don't think people think this window closes as long as Patrick Mahomes is there. You, you do have to address the things that plagued you this year and that ultimately, if they do lose, lead to that loss. Um, but I think there's a lot more faith. I have a lot more faith that the window remains open for the Chiefs for a while than I do for the Rams, maybe even the Cowboys, um, because the dominance isn't the same and the coaching situation isn't the same. Um, and, I and then I think, uh, like I said, the Cardinals are maybe closer to the beginning of their window, so the pressure isn't quite as much there. Um, but I think people get over that disappointment of the of the Chiefs losing faster than they would uh, an early exit for someone like the Rams. I do believe that the pressure, Spain and Fitz, by the way, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, the pressure on the Bills is largely because of opponent. Like if the Bills were taking on the Bengals and they lost in the first round, I don't think anybody's screaming about it, or even if the Raiders came across country. But if you lose to the Patriots, even though you've won your division two years in a row, if you lose to the Patriots and your season ends by losing two out of three games to New England over the course of the back third of the season – I think that that does create just a strange situation moving forward where you know you've got the guy. You know you have the better quarterback. You know you have the better top wide receiver. You've got every bit the running back they've got. You know you have a talented defense. If you can't beat New England at home in the playoffs, man, I I think that that is going to be a strange situation going into the offseason where suddenly, see, as much as I like Sean McDermott as a a coach, I do have to wonder at what point the organization looks around and says something's got to get better because you can't keep hitting your head against that wall with this division, with that team, against that coach. Like, it's the opponent specifically that makes this really difficult for the Bills. Yeah, I mean, I sort of agree with you, although there was a built-in excuse when it was the Patriots with Brady, right? Um, I think it changes a little when it's the Patriots with a rookie quarterback um, in Mac Jones – that unseats you. I think this begins that real hard look at the bills underperforming um, because they they were expected to have a lot more than one year last year for the Patriots to regroup and the (laughs) Patriots um, and, and Bill Belichick absolutely proving himself this season. But if you were the, if you're McDermott, if you're Allen, if you're the bills, if you're bills fans, you can't let a team that's at the beginning of another tenure and, and and with a rookie like that be the one that gets you out you yeah, just can't I, I, I still look across the board though and I think you're right about one thing the least amount of pressure on both sides in any of this is Raiders Bengals I mean you talk mm-hmm. about whatever the the organizational fails have been of the Bengals in the past Joe Burrow doesn't care about those like that doesn't matter to, to Joe Burrow the current player Joe Cool comes in and he's going to be Joe Cool. Jamar Chase doesn't care about that. And if you're the Raiders, you're looking at it saying, we made the playoffs. Like, through all of the the you-know-what that went down this year, like, we made the playoffs. I think both of those teams are sort of playing with uh, overused, but they're playing with house money. And it's really – it'll be interesting, even with all of those fans going absolutely wild in Cincinnati. I just – I feel like whichever team wins that is going to be on cloud nine. Whichever team loses that can still say, hey, came out a little ahead of schedule this year. So – uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to talk myself into why they won't feel the pressure that I feel. Spain and Fitz. I mean, I agree, but your team still could end up replacing their coach, having questions about their quarterback. You know. Well, and now everything's just gone to hell again. Thank you so much. <laughs> you can be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. The college football season's over. Fans celebrating their victory. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one 
fans deserve. It is a huge night in the NBA. It's already underway, and there's an even bigger game happening later. We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Big night in the NBA, as we'll get into in a second. But there there have been a couple of interesting, fun things, I'd say heartwarming things that have happened across the league in the last day or so. And it, one of them involves a player we were just talking about as we have been giving Memphis a little bit of love tonight. For anyone not paying attention, Memphis has won 10 straight. They've um, put themselves thick of the playoff conversation, and John Morant continues to become the absolute megastar that a few of our analysts thought he would be. And it's a refreshing moment, but also refreshing to see the Memphis Grizzlies are trying to capitalize, Sarah, on the opportunity to make sure that they can convert young fans from other teams into young John Morant fans in something that is incredibly smart. Yeah, I mean, this all began with John Morant trying to convert young Warriors fans. Um, he, <clears throat> in their in their recent game with the Warriors, when they got their you know tenth straight, he uh, dealt with a whole lot of Warriors fans on his home court, and you know that's what happens when you're playing a team that's been great, and you're one of the young up and coming franchises. You know, got some Memphis folks that have become aligned with the Warriors. So there's some some kids that he wants to change and a, a bunch of those kids wearing Warriors jerseys um, he kind of stared him down after a big score he hyped himself up and after the game um, he he said you know I, I'm not apologizing to that kid he had the wrong jersey on um, <laughs> but but then he said after the fact you know we got to get that kid a John Morant jersey which inspired what they're doing now which is that kids 12 and younger tomorrow can bring in any jersey from an opposing player and get it swapped in for Jared Jackson or John Morant and and I guess two tickets, which man, I mean that's that's nice. It's that, hard to get into NBA games these days; those are pricey. So that's a great deal from them. That's a hell of a way to bring new fans in, and also just an awesome and refreshing moment to see John Morant care. You know, like just the fact that you see kids and you're like, I want to flip these kids and make mm-hmm. them fans of this team it speaks to the connection that i really think has to happen when it comes to stars and cities and and franchises growing together in the the beginning stages of their career those are the sorts of things that really cement the conversation later about when they're going to play and how they're going to play because uh, i i feel like at some point you have to look at it and say okay there's got to be buy-in, and it speaks to that buy-in happening across the board. That's not the only fun story, by the way, as uh, Draymond decided, even even through injury, it was important to be around for the return of Clay. And, you know, I always look at athletes, and, and we question so often how much NBA players really care. And Draymond shows you how much he cares. Symbol, symbol, mm, symbolic. There's a big word for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I want to say symbiotic. Symbolic <laughs> or not. Uh, even injured, Draymond wanted to be on the floor for the opening tip so that the starting five could be together with Clay returning, even if it meant he was only going to be on the floor for a second, Sarah. And I love every second of that. Yeah. I mean, like I said at the top of the show, we haven't been on – uh, because we were off Monday, so much has happened. We had the insane Raiders game. We've got you know everything going on with the NFL playoffs and, and everything else. We really haven't talked much about Clay Thompson's incredible return, which was Sunday night as well. 941 days uh, between that game six of the 2019 finals where he, he tore that ACL and his return. And I thought it was so cool. Draymond, who had clay, uh, had calf tightness, I should say, during warm-ups, knew he wasn't going to play, but instead of sitting out the whole game, wanted to start the game on the court with Clay and Steph 
These are our guys. This is what our starting lineup's gonna look like. Here we are with me and the Splash Brothers reminding you what we were before. He immediately, after the opening tip, took a foul so he could check out because he, he didn't want to be injured, hobbled his way over to the bench. But really cool. I don't know who thought of that, but every moment of that game, from Clay's intro to his performance to the dunk, there was so much you know, great narrative that came with uh, something that so many were excited to watch. And Draymond choosing to do that was just another part of the story. Also love the fact that Warriors coach Steve Kerr told reporters after the game that he explained that to J.B. Bickerstaff, the coach of the Cavs, the plan, and Cleveland agreed to it. They were like, yep, yeah. no worries. We'll let it play out that way. That's everybody That's looking awesome. at it and saying some yeah. moments need their, their love, and that was one of those moments that needed their love. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Don't forget, tune in to the ESPN Daily Podcast. Get you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily available wherever you enjoy your podcast. So if we're going to talk about giving love, let's give some love to your Chicago Bulls with a huge Eastern Conference matchup tonight against Brooklyn. How you feeling, Sarah? I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm feeling good. This is a Nets team that lost to the uh, Portland Trailblazers that we were recently discussing who are out of just about everybody, right? Uh, <laughs> James Harden was out for the Nets as well, but taking an L like that, kind of struggling in recent in, in recent games heading into this, I feel even more confident. And I did love that John Hollinger, who was on the show earlier with us, instead of just talking about the ability of the teams, the talent, how difficult it is to, to, to choose who you're going to focus on and try to stop on this Bulls squad because you just don't know who's going to go off on a given night, he talked about the attitude and the vibe of the Bulls and, and, and the difference between watching this Bulls team that loves each other, that has no drama, that shows up every night waiting to hype each other and see who's going to go off, stepping onto the court against a Nets team that's full of a bunch of malcontents that we often call sort of the island of misfit toys. If you're a Nets fan, you're not going to like that description, but a lot of drama over there. You, you know that. And to, to kind of stumble in, I'm just interested to see how they take the court because you would think the big three and the Nets have this aura about them. And before the season, you would imagine them to be doing the, you know, the, the LeVar Ball strut onto the court. But it's the Bulls who have the swagger right now and the Nets are trying to figure it out. Yeah, well, and Kyrie in that game you mentioned against Portland, not particularly efficient. 40 minutes on the floor, 9 of 21 from mm. the floor. 22 points out of that not the sort of night that they need and speaks to as we've talked about a million times some of the difficulty that comes from you know you have Kyrie sometimes you don't have him sometimes in in a world where the NBA matchups aren't always sexy during the regular season and you need everybody to sort of come in together to, to have fire this is a fiery matchup to me because the Bulls are where they are in the standing because this matchup means so much to both teams at this point this feels like there's a level of importance just like last week when we got the Nets taken on Milwaukee, it felt like there was a different level of importance to that game. That's where the Bulls are at this point. I think they've earned everything they have in this, but they've got to beat the they've got to beat the Nets in teams like games like this if they're going to give themselves the best shot to get the seeding that they need moving forward. So it feels like this game just has a little bit extra juice, even though it's a regular season mm -hmm. game in January because of the two teams that are playing. Well, and also it's Spain and Fitz, by the way, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, also because it's 9 p.m. local. 
because it's an ESPN game. It's part of an ESPN doubleheader. It's national television. Everyone's going to be watching. And you already know that if you're a player, right? You're aware of those things. But especially so if you're a Bulls team that's figuring out, we're playing at 9 o'clock Chicago, 10 o'clock Eastern. What's up with that start time? Oh, yeah. We're the, we're the second half of a doubleheader, and everyone's going to be watching. And they're going to be watching 1-2, 27 and 11 versus 25 and 14, you know, superstar players lining up against each other. Um, Kevin Durant leading the league, DeMar DeRozan, you know, the talk of the town. Um, all of that features into it as well, to your point, where it's hard sometimes to see regular season games in the NBA as being that big of a deal. This feels like there's some elements in there. The first half of that doubleheader, by the way, is Dallas taking on the Knicks right now. The Knicks up 37-32 in the second quarter, so we'll keep you updated. But we got to get back to the NFL playoffs. Reasons for hope, reasons for concern. Will I drink in joy or sorrow? We'll ask an expert next on Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. We're asking who you trust in the NFL playoffs because this has been one of the most up and down, weird and wild seasons, which has made for real excitement and the parody has kept us guessing, but if you're looking to make some some bets on the postseason or just make predictions, it is tough. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Kevin Seifert, ESPN NFL writer, has tried his best to preview the wild card matchups and the, the sort of bigger picture for each of the pl- uh, teams that have made the playoffs. Uh, but Kevin, earlier we were talking about who we trust. I... I'm very limited in the teams that I trust, meaning that I would be shocked if they were to lose in this opening round. And that's just the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. I am of the belief that everything else is sort of a crapshoot, even a team like the Bills. And at Rick J. Brody hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed to be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation said, my eyes tell me the Bills should be a lock to win at home, but the only Bill I'll never bet against is Belichick, which is totally (laughs) why I'm like, I don't don't know if I know for sure the Bills are going to win. And then Jason Fitz adds to the mix that he believes completely in the Cowboys, which led to at David 406-00364 saying, who's this bum Jason Futz? So I asked you, Kevin Seifert, do you align with Jason Futz in having trust in the Cowboys? Or are you pretty limited uh, in who you would say, these are the ones that for sure got it? Much as I want to fall in line by, uh, behind someone named Jason Futz, I don't know if I can do that. Um, <laughs> I, you know, The Cowboys, when they've been good, they've been awesome. And when they uh, have been uh, less than, than good, they've, they've really been a team that you wonder if they were even going to make the playoffs certain weeks of the, of the season. And so I, uh, I, I feel very strongly that they're going to win uh, against the 49ers. I think that, um, you know, I, 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 I just, the, the 49ers have a decent body of work, but I, I don't know. I, I think the Cowboys have too much offensive firepower and I think they'll be able to, um, to handle that front four from the 49ers a little better than some other teams. So whether I uh, it's because of Jason Futz or not, I think I, I think I feel pretty confident that they're going to they're going to advance to the divisional round. I have no idea who this Jason Futz is, but he sounds like a very <laughs> smart and good-looking guy, uh, <laughs> Kevin. Mm-hmm. So we part of the reason we were talking about this is this was such a wildly unpredictable season in the NFL. So yeah. when when I say what can you trust, like. What do you look for from a team as something that you say, this is a reason I can bank on somebody this weekend? Well, a team that uh, really enters the playoffs playing as well as they have all year, or in the case of the Packers, um, playing the same way they did all year. Like, I don't think that 
that I think the Packers might have been the only team in the in the NFL really that ended up in the playoffs that played at that relatively high level and didn't have any kind of slumps at any point. You know, really their worst game was the game that Aaron Rodgers didn't play in um, in Kansas City. And so you look at that, or you look at the Chiefs, who I think was an eight-game winning streak, and they lose by three to the Bengals on the road. Um, and then they, they finish out the year against Denver. So I, I look at teams that are, that are playing their best football as they go into the, into the playoffs. And, and, you know, certainly chiefs Packers are uh, the type of team that you would, if you were, if you were to bet, uh, that would be the type of team you'd want to bet on. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Yeah. We sort of said, are there quarterback coach combos that give you the ability to feel a little more confident, which is how I end up with the bucks and the chiefs and, not many other teams. Um, it feels like also because of the sort of surprise uh, parody of this season that some of the teams that are, are in this postseason are playing with house money. You know, it's not a massive hit. Yeah. If they don't advance, they're sort of just happy to be there. In fact, Ben Roethlisberger said, you know, we don't have a chance. Let's go have some fun, which was a weird admission. Yeah. Um, how do you see some of those teams, like maybe the Eagles, where they mm-hmm. started off slow, but they got much better, and something like one phase being their run game might just be dangerous enough for an upset. And honestly, like both of those teams wouldn't have made the playoffs if we were using the uh, the old playoff right. format from a whole two whole years ago uh, before they expanded yeah. it to fourteen. I think people have already forgotten that because we keep thinking about the um, the expansion of the regular season to seventeen games, but uh, you know. In, in most years, you wouldn't see this Pittsburgh team or this Eagles team even in the playoffs. So you're right, they're playing with house money. I will say that that Philadelphia, you know, they're getting, you know, they're, they'll, they played a good part of their year without you know, various members of their offensive line, and they've got that whole thing pretty much back together at just the right time. And so when you talk about playoff football, you always talk about quarterbacks, and the next thing you talk about uh, is offensive line. And so I think that's something to keep in mind that they – um, you know, Tampa's got a pretty good defense, but the Eagles will have, um, you know, will have an answer for that. I think um, Pittsburgh, I, I guess, you know, that that's just a team that I'll just, you know, I'll, if they win, I'll just, I'll just give up. You know, that's, right. that's the end of trying to predict. That's the end of trying to, 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 to think anything. And so totally like, like it's almost like what Roethlisberger said was, you know, he's obviously tongue in cheek, but it's also, there was a lot of truth to it as well. We're talking to Kevin Seifert, ESPN NFL writer. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. All right, screw professionalism. I've tried for long enough. Let's talk Raiders. How are they going to beat the Bengals, <laughs> and how happy am I going to be by Saturday night? How are they going to beat them? I, You know, I I don't know. I, like, I, I think they're going to be exhausted. You know, like they played that game the other night, um, and then they, uh, you know, the, the last game of, of the regular season, and they go a full overtime, and they have the first game up on Saturday. I think they've got a, a significant uphill battle. Um, I, I love this game, though. Like, you know, there's these are two teams that don't often make the playoffs. Period. In the past, in the in the past, in the Bengals' case, past five years, in the Raiders' case, much longer than that. Um, they and, and it's going to be to me. Like, I just I just look at this game as as the fun one of the weekend. You know, we've we, you know I, I hate to say like we see New England every year. We see Tampa Bay last year. We saw you know Kansas City. All, but that's this is the this is the game where so many of the players on the teams have never really you know had a chance to play in the playoffs and got, and the fans haven't had a chance to watch them. I think it's gonna be a wild scene in Cincinnati, and I'm gonna that, that's actually to me the, the the most interesting and fun game of the weekend. Can the Raiders do it? Uh, you know they've 
they've certainly come back from uh, from a lot of, uh, of of issues this year, but I think it's a tall task for them to be able to put it together, get back physically, and then take a flight out to Cincinnati and do that. Kevin Seifert wow. with us here on Spain and Fitz. I'm looking at the Rams-Cardinals game as just talent-wise, superstar-wise, expectations at different points of the season-wise as one of the best matchups. How do you see that one going? That is a great broadcast for that game, too, I think. Um, <laughs> you know, the uh, Arizona has been so much better on the road this year. Like, like they have not played well in the second half of the season, and, and normally you'd look at this and say, well, the Rams have a huge advantage. They're going to crush them. And, but other than one really weird game in Detroit uh, this year, Arizona has won all their road games. They've been better on the road than at home. And so you kind of look at teams like that and you say, why is that the case? Is it, did they just have, you know, where they matched up against easier teams on the road? And that wasn't really the situation for the Cardinals. I think they actually, it's a sign of a team that, that has its, its head, its head together and, and can maintain its composure. And, and I don't think SoFi stadium is the hardest uh, road uh, stadium to play in anyway. Um, and we'll see if that's any different in the playoffs, but um, you know, that, that, that I, I'm really intrigued by the fact that Arizona, despite the way that they were, they were playing really the last half of the season should, uh, you know, on, on paper at least, and, and based on trends, has a pretty good chance of the upset there. Let's look ahead. I know we have plenty of time to look ahead, but if you're the Titans and the Packers, is there a team that you're just hoping in each conference gets knocked out this weekend? <laughs> um, you know, I, I look at, I you know, we talked about Cincinnati and the Raiders earlier. Like, like I would, if I were the Titans, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how the seeds end up being, but there's just so much, um, there's so much potential with that Bengals team, and and sometimes you look at uh, you look at the playoffs and you say, uh, if a almost like the NCAA tournament, and if the quarterback gets hot the same way that a point guard gets hot, then who knows how how far you can go. And if Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase can get it going, then you're looking at a situation where you're going to have to score you know 30 points to win a playoff game, and that's would 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 scare me. So I, I you know. We'll see if, how Tennessee feels about that, but that that's one team that jumps out to me. Um, on the NFC side, uh, you know, we saw what Tampa Bay did to um, to Green Bay last year. They had the NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field. Everyone figured that was a huge advantage, and they would uh, they would go to the Super Bowl. And, and Tom Brady came up there and beat them. And so, I, you know, I, I, if I were if I were Green Bay, I wouldn't mind if Tampa Bay gets knocked out before I would have to play them. Mm-hmm. Any other team that you think is a sort of maybe a surprise, like like not everybody else is as confident in them as you are? I, I'm gonna I'll just go back to Arizona, you know. I and I again, like I, I admit that you know the a top a top um, qualifier for any team that's making a playoff run is usually how they're playing as they enter the playoffs, and the, and the Cardinals aren't playing well. But um, you know, I I think that as a wild card team, you know, you'd say who who could who could potentially string together some wins on the road. And, and we've seen what the Cardinals can do. So that's really a team that I'm kind of looking at, um, you know, Kyler, Kyler Murray really in his first uh, chance to really be in the playoffs and be healthy. Um, how far can he take it on his own? We talk about Burrow being a guy that can be a the football version of a point guard, getting hot in the NCAA tournament, uh, Kyler Murray, the same thing. So that's a, that's a team that I uh, am, am intrigued. I, you know, next week at this time, I might have egg in my face, but that's a, that's a team <laughs> that I, I just kind of wonder if they have a chance to really make a surprise run. 
Honestly, Seaford, I don't think anyone could have egg on their face this year. It's just too weird. <laughs> it's like really holding anyone accountable at this point, I think would pretty much be unfair after what we've seen all season <laughs> long. Uh, excellent like story, that. everyone. Go read the preview. Uh, he's He's got up on .com. Uh, NFL playoffs preview. Schedule bracket Super Bowl chances for every team and matchups to watch is how you can find it by Kevin Seaford. Thanks for the time, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Yep. Kevin Seifert brought to you by Goodyear, making the plays that move you forward. Goodyear, more driven. Coming up, is Fitz lame? Oh, I'm sorry. There's a the whole sentence. Futz. Um, mean futz. Is no, futz, futz is Jason Futz lame if he doesn't go watch his Raiders Saturday? Or just is he lame? We'll talk about all of it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. So I'm hanging out at high velocity. At the beginning, there were a few people. I bought some shots. We had some drinks. The game started. Everything felt good. By the end of the night, <laughs> hell, he's, he's three sheets to the wind. <laughs> he's drunk as a scum. I had a random bar chanting my name while I jumped up and down as the Raiders oh. won. Did you pay for a lot of stuff that night? I've never in my life said I need 15 shots of tequila. That's how I started the game. I've never mm-hmm. in my life said I need 20 shots of whiskey. That's how I ended the game. So I'm mm-hmm. fully aware that I was I was going for it. It's party time! I was not expecting to walk up to the bar and get my tab and have it be a very specific amount that was like just shy of $1,000. Ah, I got drunk last night. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. This is Spain and Fitz. That's right. Fist was uh, was housed. Uh, he was housed at some point. You know, people were ch- chanting his name. He was buying the bar shots. He ended up with a thousand dollar bill. Um, but we were all we're all pumped for him because his team is in the playoffs. And listen, if you tell a Raiders fan, act like you've been there before. Uh, they haven't very many times, at least not recently. So let him enjoy it. Okay, that's over. Now we can make fun of him. It's Spain okay. and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Perfect. Jason Fitz, or Futz on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And we've been talking about this because our, our buddy Jordan Cornette's going to come on the show. You guys are going to have a little back and forth about your squads. He's, of course, a huge fan of the Bengals, another team that is absolutely elated just to be in the conversation. Of course, they have big goals, and what we've seen from them this season has been really impressive at times. But this is a, a bit of a long time coming for them as well. So you've got this new-look Bengals team behind Joe Burrow looking to make a run. You've got this Raiders team that's got this great story of things they've overcome this season. You guys are going to hash it out. But in mentioning that he was going to come on the show, you casually mentioned to me that he's going to the game. Of course he is, I said. Uh, Aren't you? And your response was that it's going to be cold. Can you try to defend yourself and why you're not a fake fan? Okay, so there's layers here. Number one, uh, you know, Jordan walks up and he's like, man, I'm going to the game. And I was like, oh, my God, we should go together. This would be so much fun. And then he says, yeah. And, and I was like, well, did you already get your tickets? And he said, yeah, buddy of mine, uh, I, I bought a sweet ticket from a buddy of mine before a, a while back just in case they made the playoffs. So I already bought my ticket. It's in the suite. So it's Jordan's thinking from him. Yeah, yeah that is smart thinking. I, I, I would have no way of, like, I would have had to buy a playoff ticket in, like, six different cities given the combo. So <laughs> that was never going to happen for me. So – I'm looking at this from a couple of different levels now. Level number one, let's understand that if I go to this game, I'm going to be wearing Raiders pants, a Raiders shirt, a Raiders jacket, under a Raiders jacket, over a Raiders fluffy jacket with Raiders gloves, Mm -hmm. a Raiders beanie, probably Raiders Raiders sunglasses, and a Raiders mask. These are all choices that you're making. Yeah, correct. I mean, but but I'm not going to the game, not not head to toe. It feels a little disrespectful to now be like, hey, Jordan, can your buddy let me into his suite? Also... My language is not family-friendly when I watch this game. And the first time that somebody decides to use the wrong time to troll me, 
I'm not going to say the right thing. That seems like a bad thing to do to somebody that graciously sells me a sweet ticket. So now I'm relegated to outside. So now that means my best shot is to stand amongst 60,000 diehard Bengals <coughs> fans Excuse that me. are I all going to be trolling excuses. me. Yeah, but the, no, no, no. These are explanations. Like uh-huh. uh, one versus sixty thousand. I don't trust myself when I've had twenty five shots to then mm-hmm. be able to not, you know, run my mouth. I want to not have my mouth wired shut when I come into work on Monday, Sarah. So mm-hmm. I'm worried about all of things. Plus, the most important thing is I have so little confidence that the Raiders are going to actually win. The thought of spending all of that money, time, and effort outside where I can't feel my feet, my toes, or my grape nuts for the matter of hours while I watch the Raiders lose, that feels like a miserable existence that I'm not going to forget for a long time. I want to enjoy the playoff game. So maybe I make a you know nice pot of chili. I stay at home and I, I stay by myself where I belong alone in a room while I watch the Raiders play and hope that I'm, I'm wrong about everything. Okay, so let's just run down the excuses. Uh, it's okay. cold. Reasons. Yeah. I don't trust myself around Bengals fans after 25 shots. Okay, that's your choice. Yeah. Yeah. I will be wearing head-to-toe Raiders gear once again. That's your choice. And my language is often inappropriate. For a suite, so These yeah. are the reasons. Let's just put it to the people. Uh, hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation at Spain and Fitz at Sarah Spain at Jason Fitz. Is Fitz a fake fan if he doesn't go see his beloved Raiders play the Bengals because of those incredibly lame reasons? Uh, we'll see what the people think because I would tell you, uh, one, uh, I, I've, I've never heard anything about Bengals fans being incredibly violent. Now, that may be the case. I just may never have, have been pin, pitted against them in a really important game. But I think you're all right wearing the gear of your team ooh, to a ooh. game. No, I did a hit with, with ESPN Dayton, which is also a, a Bengals sort of market the, the other day. And they told me really bad idea to go into the stadium wearing the wrong gear. That that, that would not work out well for me in that stadium. So. They're, I mean, they're I feel like market. everyone's going to say that. They're going to be like, oh, you don't come into our stadium. But I really think if you're afraid to wear your Raiders gear into the Bengals stadium, you've got bigger problems. Secondarily, you can't go to a game without 25 shots and acting inappropriately. No, that, a playoff game? No, there's no chance. That, like, well, I don't want to go, like, what do you want me to be like? You want me to be like, you know, quiet, subdued? Like, what's the point of watching oh, it if a, I can't watch it the right way? There's a big gap between quiet and subdued and 25 shots and inappropriate. Well, there's a whole fair. mess of area in the middle where you could just be someone who is enjoying a football game but not starting fights and getting their head beat in. Well, I'd like to think that that's that's just what's that word moderation. I I still yeah. need to look up the 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 actual definition of that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a it's a cute like look. I I mean, we know that my usual go to when I'm hanging out would not be alcohol. I'd rather you know I'd rather be much more subdued in my my hang. But I don't right. do that particularly when I'm watching football games because I love the emotion and the roller coaster of it. But as a result. I mean, I, I, why couldn't you just be in your own body, in your own skin, minus anything on the outside that you need to imbibe, smoke or otherwise? Well, because I like those things. Like we're talking about my enjoyment. Like, okay. So the excuses continue to pile up. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you don't have a good excuse for why you wouldn't need to have 25 shots of being appropriate. Uh, you're, you're, you don't have a good excuse for, for wearing all the gear. Uh, it's cold. Uh, you're going to have all that gear. So wouldn't you be fine? You got hat, you got gloves, you got jacket, you got everything. This comes down to one thing, Sarah. I'm scared the Raiders are going to lose to the Bengals. I think the Bengals are really oh, good. Oh. I'm, a scared, well, so I'm this afraid. Is, I'm this afraid. This is the truth it's now. Fear. Yeah, it's fear. 
It's all fear. If the Raiders were playing the Titans in Nashville, I have no fear. I think they could beat the Titans. How do you like that? Titans fans are going to at me now. Wow. But the Bengals? Oof. Oh, Get that... in those menchies. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like if we if we go to the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, uh, Spain and Fitz Nation is weighing in. 60.2% of people are saying you are lame. You are lame. And just 39.8% say being cold sucks. Uh, which is fair and true, but you know, um, at quirky name later after 25 shots, how does he still have a liver touring? I mean, that's just, I was a musician. I, I wouldn't have 25 shots. No, that was just a number. I, I exaggeration. Mean, yeah. I, I think uh, at met fan seven twenty two regular season. I get, but it's the playoffs go when you can. That's, that's how I feel. Luckily for Fitz, the entire Raider squad is on with Freddie and Fitzsimmons coming up next. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.